Hello, friends, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith, and yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free bereaved parent retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 163. Today's episode is going to be a little different, and let me tell you why. Late in the evening this past July 31st, I received a text message from my friend Terry Young, letting me know that his wife Joy had laid down for a nap that day and woke up in heaven. At first, I couldn't believe it. I thought it had to be someone else. My dear friend Joy was much too full of life to be gone, but she was. Joy was known for exclaiming at every opportunity, the best is yet to come, and for her, the best had come. We were unable to attend her celebration service as we were traveling home from a while we're waiting weekend in Wisconsin that day, but we listened to it as it was live streamed. And as I listened, I thought about the podcast episode I recorded with Terry and Joy a couple years ago, and I realized there would be no better way to honor her life than to re-release it. When Terry found Joy that afternoon, she was lying on their bed with her Bible open to Psalm 46, and she was in the middle of writing a note of encouragement to some fellow bereaved parents. She lived to serve others and to remind everyone she knew about the hope we have in Jesus Christ, and she did that right up until the moment she stepped into heaven. She had no greater desire than for others to know Jesus personally, and through re-releasing this episode, I'd like to give her one more opportunity to make that appeal. Joy didn't know when she lay down that day that God was going to take her home, but she was ready to go. As you listen today, please make sure you're ready to. Joy herself is going to tell you how you can have that assurance, and then you can have confidence that truly the best is yet to come. Hi, Terry and Joy. I'm so glad to see you today. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. Thank you. Always good to be a part of what your ministry's got going on. We're we're glad to be a part of that. Thank you. We appreciate y'all being a part of it for sure. So I always like to kind of get started by giving my guests an opportunity to tell a little bit about themselves. So where are you from and what do you do there? We're from uh, Pleasant Hill, Missouri, which is just outside of Lee Summit and Kansas City area. We raised our family here on 10 acres. And so it's a a neat little town. And uh, our children all grew up in the same school Mm. all the way through. Um, But we're centrally located close to Greenwood, Missouri. You know how the states do. They kind of flow from one little city to the next. But Grew up in Raytown, which is a suburb of Kansas City. Good place to grow up. I had a great childhood. Uh, I had siblings. Schools were good then. Christian parents. Blessed. Truly blessed. And I had fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. I mean, you just recently retired, right, Terry? Yeah. uh, 
I, I, uh, I was in the concrete business for 45 years. And that too was a blessing because I got to spend my career doing what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. And I worked outside the home for around 27 years. I was a stay at home mom for the first 15, but was in marketing and sales. And uh, so we both had uh, long days, long hours, very active home life with our family, with our children involved in sports, church, act, all the church activities, uh, raised our children in the church. And uh, so we're very busy. Yeah, exactly. And and you have four children. You have three daughters and one son and some sweet grandchildren, right? Oh, yeah. Perfect <laughs> yeah. grandchildren. Perfect. They're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, tell me a little bit about your girls and about your grandkids. Well, our girls are all two years apart, but they're just, uh, they're really good people. We had so much fun growing up, but they're just hard workers. They're they're productive citizens. They do a great job parenting. We enjoy getting together. We're real family-oriented, and, and they are too, so well, we always look forward to those times. But uh, you know, they serve the public. We've got teachers and nurses, and 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 so you know, we uh, we're proud of them. We're really proud of them. They're, they're they're they've married well, and they're good people. And the most important thing is they all um, have a relationship with the Lord, and that means so much to Terry and I. And they're active in their churches and have our grandchildren, you know, in in church. And I'm thankful for that. I know that's a gift. Um, and I appreciate that uh, they, you know, have made the Lord important in their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And they must be great parents because they have perfect children, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They yes. really do do a good job parenting, probably a lot better than I did. <laughs> Uh, we've been married 45 years. Um, I always tease that Terry robbed the cradle, but, um, <laughs> she chased me around a lot. I finally give in. <laughs> oh my goodness. So how much younger are you than Terry? Two years. Oh, well, that's Two, not robbing yeah. the cradle. <laughs> <laughs> I was 19 and he was 21. We got married very young, but she was um, real good friends with my younger sister. And so I saw a lot of her growing up. So. Yeah. Who gets to marry their best friend's sis brother? You know, that, that was, that was, uh, so I got a, a sister-in-law and still a best friend <laughs> in Vicki. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. That is great. All right. So you've told me about your girls. Now you also had a son, have a son, Matt. Tell me a little bit about Matt. Matt was the youngest, as we've said. He was uh, described as mature beyond his years, and he didn't always act mature, but he was very neat kid, uh, fun, had, had a uh, wonderful sense of humor that he got from his dad, funny. He kept our family just in stitches, and I always was concerned that when he went to school, he wouldn't know the difference of, you know, not uh, being the class clown, but um, adults loved him as well. He was very active in uh, sports and music. He uh, 
always said as a little boy, he wanted to be a fireman. And I just thought it was kind of a, a, just a little boy thing, but he stuck with that. He was very determined and he, he cared about people. He really did. And that kind of showed its face in that he went into that profession uh, where he could, you know, reach out and care for people. He was an EMT and firefighter for eight years. And it was fun to see him. He volunteered when he was in, you know, high school. He stayed connected and um, after graduation went into the uh, fire service and did the academy. And uh, then he got his first job with uh, Leewood, Kansas. They had three positions open and there was over 400 people that applied. And he was one of the youngest they'd ever hired at 19. He had to interview in front of the mayor and a board of five people. But anyway, he was a determined young man when he set his mind to something. He was definitely an achiever. He, uh, he, he set out to do something and he'd get it done. Surrounded himself with good people, too. He had good friends, a good circle of friends. And he always related to adults well. So yeah. married well, hard worker. Yes. He got married in 2012 to the love of his life, Claire, and we adopted her as our daughter and uh, bonus daughter and uh, love her dearly to this day. Yeah, he sounds like just a remarkable young man. You know, how ma- so many little boys have that dream when they're little the, to grow up and be a fireman. And he just really carried through and did all of the steps, everything he needed to do to make that dream come true. He did. He did. Yes. Where we live out in the country, there wasn't a lot of kids. There's one family that had one boy. Uh, they had six kids, but one of them was uh, six years older than him. and he was so patient with Matt and he became a firefighter and his dad was chief of fire for a a city close by. And when Matt was around 17, he did a ride along with, uh, he got special permission uh, to, to do a ride along. And I'll never forget the phone call I got at work. It was, his voice was just lit up and he was like, mom, this is what I'm, I know this is what God wants me to do. And, you know, that just really as a mom, you know, filled my heart because I just, and I thanked God, you know, that, that God was working and showing him, you know, his calling on his life. So he went to the academy, he got his first job. He worked, um, like I said, for seven years. He changed from Leewood, Kansas, and went to uh, CJC, which is Central Jackson County, which is Blue Springs, Missouri, and finished his career there before he passed. So, but firefighters you know, are very close there because they spend so much time together. And it's a brotherhood of, of men and women that know everything about each other, see each other at the highest point in their lives and the darkest points of their lives um, as they're helping people. And he, um, you know, we stayed in contact with Matt. He, he was very open to share 
Um, he was a storyteller, you know, so he always had stories for us and some were funny, some were, you know, he would just share, he would talk to us weekly. We just love that, you know, connection. He was also close to his sisters, very close to his sisters. And he was known for calling them late at night and talking, you know, to them. In fact, Rachel, our middle daughter that's a nurse, was the last one to talk to him. And it was the night before. And, uh, you know, she said, Mom, if there was any indications that I had known uh, what was going to happen, you know, I definitely would have reached out to you. So, Right. So, So what did happen? What happened with Matt? Well, it's a kind of a long story, but um, in Missouri, we have never had snow in May. May 3rd was a Friday. I was at work. Terry had had a long day or long uh, week at work. Jill, I know that God, you know, knew what was coming because he prepared and I see it, you know, I saw it afterwards, but that day it started, it was very gray, rainy, gloomy, windy, felt like winter. And um, I was in my office at work and was at my computer and I look up out the window and I see these huge snowflakes drifting down, covering the trees. And I got this, uh, insation from the top of my head all the way down that was bone chilling. It literally made me shudder inside. And um, looking back at that now, I, you know, I don't know, but I wonder because when I got home from work, I got a text from Claire, our daughter-in-law and said, had you talked to Matt today? And I just responded, no, I haven't. And so I said, how come? And she said, I can't find him. It's really unusual because she was a police officer uh, and her shifts and his shifts were opposite a lot. She worked nights, so she would sleep during the day. And she said, he's supposed to be off today. And I woke up and he's not here. And she goes, I said, well, do you think he picked up an extra uh, shift? Because he did that a lot. He was very, people made fun of him because he was frugal. He's very frugal and very responsible with his money and that kind of thing. So um, she made some phone calls to the round the stations because he worked part-time in one city and then full-time in another city. So she called both. And then she called like different firefighters that were on the same shift with him and asked them if they had seen, you know, if they knew where he was or what he was doing. So that kind of was our first alarm because I texted Matt and said, where are you? Claire's looking for you. We don't know where you're at. Just, just respond. So we know and nothing, no response. And uh, this went on through the evening. And then I saw Facebook, post where Claire had said, you know, if anyone's talked to Matt today, please let me know, you know, and um, no, no one responded, but everyone was looking for him, all of his friends and firefighting, 
buddies were looking for him. We uh, got a phone call from a dear friend and he said uh, it was a good friend of Matt's who's in heaven now. He just passed away this spring, 48 years old from cancer. But he said, can you come to Matt's house? Well, I just got this feeling. I just knew something was wrong. So Terry and I got in the car and as we drove, he was probably 15 minutes. His house was 15 minutes from ours. Got And as we drove, we came down the block and the whole block was just completely full of cars. The garage door was open and all these firefighters and people we knew, uh, friends of theirs, were hanging out in the driveway. And as soon as we got out of the car, you know, Bob came up to us and, and told us that Matt had been found. But backtracking, even God was in that because there was a, a friend named Brian that uh, was also a firefighter. And we didn't know this, but God, I feel like God divinely orchestrated for Brian to find Matt because Brian, I didn't know this at the time, Brian and Amanda's marriage was not good. It was on the rocks. And Brian drove out to the city lake and found Matt in a beater car. We call it the beater car. It was a car he had just to save miles uh, driving back and forth to work so he didn't drive his truck. And um, Amanda had shared that God really worked that day in their marriage, mm. uh, making them realize, you know, that they needed to get back on track. And, you know, she looked at it from the perspective of this amazing young man had taken his own life. That's um, self-inflicted gun wound. And um, it kind of was a wake-up call for her and Brian. And they turned their hearts back to God. You know, things don't, I mean, it was the most devastating news we ever got in our whole lives. As you can imagine, it caught everybody by surprise. We don't really have the answer to the whys, but that's a whole nother uh, discussion that we can have on that. Um, but George shared with you when she was talking about Matt, uh, all the good things, but there really weren't many bad things. I mean, he didn't give us any trouble. He didn't suffer to our knowledge from any kind of addictions or any kind of depression. And he never shared, you know, you always wonder if you missed something, but he never shared with any of his friends and he had close friends. He never shared with his wife, any distraught. So it was really pretty blindsided everyone because Matt was a solid individual. Yeah. We've talked to many parents that have lost children to suicide over the years with while we're waiting. And it seems like it's, about half are like you guys, where there is just absolutely no warning, no indication, no signs that you even could have had the chance to pick up on because there were no signs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and 
I'm content to believe that it was just an impulsive act. You know, I mean, we don't know and we'll never know, but, and you don't know exactly what snaps, you know, but, uh, I don't think it was a real premeditated thing that had been going on for a while. I just can't see how it could be. Not not one single individual. And like I said, he was surrounded by a pretty good group of friends. And not one individual, you know, uh, detected anything. So I don't think we missed anything. Um, you know, there were over 3,000 people at his funeral. And I looked out, you know, and one whole section was firefighters and one whole section was police officers, you know, in support of Claire. And, you know, we stood for six and a half hours and and heard story after story. The funeral guy kind of got mad at us because we were, you know, talking to each one. But I told him <laughs> I wanted, you know, I just looked at him and said, you don't understand. I want to hear every single story. Of, about Matt because and a lot of stories have come out even afterwards that uh, we never knew we never knew things that he did and said and you know we had nurses from hospitals that showed up that said you don't know me but I work at such and such hospital and your son was my favorite because when he'd bring in the patient he would stay with them until they're stable he would call back and check on them he had a a very compassionate heart. There was a guy that came that was a clerk at a convenience store. And that's the only way he knew Matt, you know. And so obviously, mm -hmm. if you impress the clerk at the convenience store, yes. you got something going for you. That's wow. right. But we heard yeah. story after story, you know. Um, we're very blessed in that we have a large extended family on both sides. And they surrounded us. Our we uh, our church family. I'm so thankful that I can say that I have a church family that truly lives to bless others. And they all showed up at our house. The deacons, the small group people, the the ladies from my Bible study. My boss was awesome. Uh, she would allowed me to be off work for a month, and then but always stepped in my office to check on me, always acknowledge. She loved Matt when Matt would come in and talk to me. She just thought he was the neatest kid. And uh, so, you know, uh, we had a lot of people drop off water in a cooler. We had some dear friends, uh, childhood friends, Bruce and Joyce that did that. And just, we even had someone drop off a big bag of, crayons and coloring books because of all the grandkids. And I thought that was so thoughtful, things like that, that you don't think about, but the Kleenex, the toilet paper, the, the, the uh, salt, you know, the uh, coffee, just the food, everything, you know, often people will ask me, well, what can I do? My friend has lost a child. What can I do? And I always tell them the first thing you can do is they're in shock. Just pray. I believe in prayer. The best gift you can give someone is just lifting them up to the Lord, you know, and asking him to surround them with a peace that passes all understanding and then show up. You don't have to say anything. Um, I heard Rick Warren, you know, say, show up and shut up. <laughs> little blunt, but, uh, you know, the ministry of just presence, 
because they're not going to remember what you say. And it's more they'll remember you being there. So, you know, the cards, the text, checking in after the fact, after all, everything's over with. Those are all little things that help. Absolutely. Yeah, those are all great ideas. I love that idea of the coloring books and crayons for the grandkids because, you know, they're going to be just sitting around with time on their hands while all the grown-ups are kind of doing grown-up things. So that was a great idea, a very practical gift. So I always like to ask this when we're talking about a child, a family who has lost a child to suicide. Do you feel like there are issues that a parent who loses a child to suicide has to deal with that kind of additionally complicate the grief journey? Oh, yeah, I think so. Because uh, if you look at it in uh, reality, uh, he chose to take his life, to end his life. And so you constantly question yourself, you know, what did I do? What did I miss? What did I not do? So there's a guilt factor, I think, involved with that. And I think, and me and Joyce talk about this a lot, but I think Satan uses that maybe to try to keep you defeated in life and in your Christian journey. Absolutely. I totally agree. You know, I feel like, yes, Satan uses that opportunity. You know, our minds are a um, strong muscle that God has blessed us with. And um, he works hard, the enemy works hard on keeping us down in the pit and defeated and depressed, um, making us feel like it was our fault where the guilt or the shame comes in. Now, suicide is rampant. It has just escalated with COVID, you know, I get more and more calls from family members that have lost their loved ones by suicide. We were also told early on in Matt's uh, journey that first responders, firefighters, police officers, and military are the highest known professions for suicide. And um, with them seeing so many traumatic things, they uh, run those over in their head, you know, trying to think if they could have done something more or just the the horror of the whole situation. Um, we don't know if that's part of what happened with Matt. Um, you know, he always shared stories with us, but I do know that that is an issue with first responders and um, God has opened the door for me to be able to speak to uh, a few graduating classes from the fire Academy where I shared Matt's story. And I just tried to emphasize that there's nothing so horrible that you can't get help from or with, you know, there's people out there to help you. You know, I know that's hard for men, especially because they're taught from early age not to cry, not to be sissies, that kind of be tough. You know, we do that to our children sometimes and not really a, a, a service to them. But, um, you know, there are people that care 
And there are people that, you know, will listen to them and help them work through their struggles. As far as myself, the first year and a year and a half, I didn't sleep because I was ruminating and running all these thoughts through my head. You know, did I miss something? Like Terry said, you know, this was so shocking and so sudden. And it was like, if I was even to say, I, we never ever saw Matt down or depressed. And so, you know, he wasn't even on our radar for someone that might be at risk. And um, he even had a couple of friends that he spent time talking to that were um, struggling and, you know, considering suicide. So it was so out of his character. So I was ruminating all this at night, you know, is when it hits you when it's dark and you're trying to sleep. I'll never forget it was September 11th, 2014. And I was talking to God and praying and I got on my knees and uh, I surrendered the whys to him because I truly believe in a sovereign God. God did not make Matt, you know, he didn't make Matt end his life, but he allowed it. And our pastor, when he did his memorial service, you know, he uh, compared, you know, Christ to the um, one that saves us. And so he received Matt. And that's how I like to focus on that he received Matt. And we know Matt had a personal relationship with the Lord. I was able to lead Matt to the Lord when he was eight years old, um, pray that prayer with him. But he also grew through the youth group and mission trips and things that he'd been on. And we'd had conversations in his adulthood where I, you know, was feel confident that he had a personal relationship with the Lord. And that's where, you know, um, after I surrendered that to God, because if I truly believe in an all loving sovereign God that understands because he willingly gave his own son on the cross so that we could have eternal life. He sees, he knows my pain. He walks with me. So I surrendered it that day. You know, we talk about it at the retreats, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, you know, and, uh, they, you know, Satan will use those to haunt us and to keep us defeated and in the pit and depressed. And Terry and I have talked about, you know, we were determined not to let Satan win. Our son's life mattered. It mattered on earth while he was here and his death matters. I, I, I know that God is using all of this for his glory, how that looks, how that plays out. I may not understand or know, but I walk in faith, trusting that he will turn my ashes to beauty. And um, I'm seeing little glimpses of that eight years out. So it's a matter of choice. It comes down to we can either choose, like you have said, Jill, to be bitter or to be better. And we've walked the road to live well. Terry and I have made that choice 
to honor our son's memory and to give glory to God for his faithfulness. And oh, has he been faithful. Yes, absolutely. I've seen all of that in you guys. You know, when we met you, you were just a couple of years, uh, if even that long, I'd have to look back uh, into this. And and we've been able to see how God has grown you over the years. And, and I've seen so much beauty come from your life, uh, from those ashes that were left behind. So um, thank you for sharing all of that. Are there any particular Bible verses that, that have been helpful to you on this journey? Well, I use one that Joy uses a lot, and that's Proverbs 35, where you know, we're told to trust in God and trust in Him wholeheartedly and don't lean none to your own understanding. You know, I don't know how people endure this without a faith. And like Joy said, you have to trust him in everything, not just the good things. That's right. And too many times, uh, she alluded to this as well, people tend to live under their circumstances and we're called to live above them. And I think that if you truly trust God, it, you know, it's, it's still tough. But uh, if you trust God, don't lean into your own understanding. You know, one thing early on I decided was is that because of all the things Joy just described to you about Matt, you know, you got to give up the why because you're you're going to be a, a mess. You're going to be confused all the time. Uh, so I gave that up early on, and uh, that I think helped me in my recovery as far as uh, you know getting back to a sound mind and a normal. But you got to trust God in this whole thing because uh, the the sooner you can give it up, the quicker the healing starts. Amen. I agree with that. I've got, you know, and a lot of them don't just apply to grief, but uh, in, you know, Romans 8, 30 says that nothing and nothing can separate us from God's love. Yeah. And that includes the death of our child. That's right. And and Mm -hmm. it's always good to be in God's favor. Yeah. So the other one, I guess uh, I use this for everything, too, is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. But, uh, you know, it says there that that we can ask him anything. And if we go to him with prayer and in prayer with the Thanksgiving, that we can experience the peace of God. And I have experienced that. Uh, I tell people all the time that. For me, his peace was almost an animate object. I mean, it was something I could almost get a hold of. So I know it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Great description of peace. I love that, thinking of peace as an animate object that you can actually feel. That's one of those things, words we throw around a lot, you know, but uh, it is real. I mean, it exists, and and I've experienced that and am experiencing that. Yeah. Um, for the Prover- Proverbs 3, 5 is at Matt's resting place, we have a fire hydrant. Long story short, fireman left it on his doorstep. So it's one that he's carried, you know, around. And so when he passed, a dear friend of ours 
spray coated it. So we got to write a message on it and then spray coated it. So it's actually on his um, headstone at the end. And I wrote Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And, um, you know, God, right now people choose a word for the year. But back in like 2010, uh, it was a verse for the year. Well, another divine appointment. My verse for 2013, I was looking for a planner because I had to use planners for my work. And I found a leather planner with embossed Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. You can't tell me that wasn't God. Gave me that verse in January. Little did I know how much I was going to need that verse in May. And, you know, another way I... I try to keep my eyes open to those divine things that God puts in our path and recognize him and praise him for it. Another thing is pennies. I never found pennies ever since Matt has passed. I find pennies on the ground and I noticed them and I pick them up and I was looking at that penny and it says, in God we trust. And I hold that penny up in the air and I say, God, I'm still trusting you. I'm Amen. still trusting you. And so to this day, he sends me pennies at different time, or he allows me to find them. But I always try to turn it to God. You know, Lord, I'm still trusting as I wait. I'm still trusting. So Proverbs 3, 5 has been a real helpful verse for both Terry and I. Another verse that's really helpful uh, been close to my heart is uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5. And this is the one that God gave me when I was struggling with the whys. And I was waking up in the middle of the night. Um, In my quiet time, he led me to this verse. And I feel like he was breathing it into me and reminding me, you know, where he tells us to take our thoughts captive. And I began to do that when you're ruminating, I would just say, Father God, I ask you to take this thought captive. If the thought doesn't align with God's truth, then it's not from God. And he taught me that. And Jill, I can tell you, he is faithful every single time. If you are struggling with thoughts that don't align with God's word, and they're taunting you, I challenge you to speak that verse out. Lord Jesus, I ask you to take these thoughts captive. He is faithful every single time. He would take those thoughts captive and I'd start praising him for who he is and replacing all those tormenting thoughts to God's promises and renewing my mind. And that's what God tells us to do. That we have, I think with suicide, the parent, you know, as a parent of, of a child loss from suicide, you you deal with so many thoughts, maybe just child loss in, in, in general, where the enemy tries to steal, kill and destroy and fill our minds with lies. And how are we to live 
you know, how are we to combat that? I love when Brad does, you know, putting on the full armor of God. I truly believe that if we, people have said, well, I can't read God's word. My brain isn't, you know, and I get that. So I always tell them, well, with our media, go to a podcast or go to the radio or put in a Christian CD. Well, I just don't feel the presence of God. It doesn't mean God has left you, even if you don't feel that he's there. He just, just stay there and fill your mind with God's promises, either through music or, or verbally, or if you can read a book or read God's word. The most important thing I think for me on my journey has been my lifeline of staying connected to the truth and combating those negative feelings of doubt and despair and shame, uh, guilt, the grief, all that, by replacing it, well, God's word tells you who you are in Christ and who he is. And I even read, uh, learned about the names of God, you know, Jehovah Jireh and just, and what they need you know, um, to combat those things that I was working through in my own heart and mind. You know, I love to what Brad said at the reunion, when he said God looked down from time, he knew we would need each other to walk this journey. That brought tears to my eyes, because that is so true. We didn't choose to be a child loss parent, right. but here we are, you know, we have a choice. How are we going to walk? How are we going to keep on living? We need each other. And I love the family that God has placed around me. I'm sorry for the circumstances, but I love these people um, so much because they get it. They understand. They've experienced the loss themselves in different ways. And we can encourage each other. We can pray for each other. We can listen. We can love. One of the books I read had a quote in it. It said, uh, the therapist will help, but the healing's in the relationships. Mm, that's good. Yeah. It's been true with us. Yeah. Another thing that was shared uh, by Julie Corum, who uh, Julie and Michael are a wonderful couple that we have been blessed to co-facilitate with us at the support group meetings. She shared an article and it really hit home and I'd never heard this before, but um, the missingness, the missingness of your child will always be there. But it doesn't mean that you can't experience joy ever again. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And look at his life. He ministered to people. He kept, you know, sharing with them, uh, healing them, uh, providing for them. You know, as Jesus is our example and we are, we're to reflect him and look like him, it gives me hope because it tells me. Yes, we will have 
our missingness of Matt. But if we allow God to step in, he can uh, turn our, our ashes to beauty and, um, you know, allow us to be used for his, his glory. And I think he's doing that in our lives. I, I, you know, I see that now. I remember the first time I met you, Joy, you came to one of our mom's retreats mm-hmm. uh, here at the refuge in Hot Springs. Yes. And yes, one of the things that you said that day, I actually, I took several notes while you were sharing Matt's story that day. And I want to ask you just a few things about some of the things you said that day. One of the things that you said was suicide and grieving is a part of me, but it does not define me. What did you mean by that statement, Joy? Well, so many times we put labels on people, divorced, child molested, child loss. They become labels and we think that's our whole life. But as Christians, you know, we're told that Christ is our redeemer and ultimately if you have a relationship with him and know him, you know, we will be redeemed in heaven to a, a new, but even on earth, we can be redeemed through the Lord. You know, I read that not, nothing is ever wasted in God's economy. When we're believers, he can use every part of our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, and I've heard the term, make your, your mess your message, you know, you know, just like Jesus is our savior and he saves us from ourselves, from our sinful nature and redeems us to a new life. He does that in child loss. I feel like he does that. And so when I say, you know, being a mother of suicide doesn't define me, I'm also a grandmother I'm a mother of three beautiful daughters, eight beautiful grandchildren. I'm a sister. I'm a child of the king. So I guess maybe that's what I meant. That that's, that's not going to define me just in one aspect. I'm a friend. I hope I, I call myself a prayer warrior because friends call me and I always tell them, what can I pray for you about? I'm a wife, you know, and, you know, I try to support my husband and, and encourage him. So we all wear different hats and different roles. I think when you lose a child, time does stop and you always think of everything in the before and the after we've talked about that, but our after can have so much richness if we put our trust in God and maybe we don't even know what that looks like, but just the willingness to tell God I'm here. What do you, you know, show me, guide me, open doors, shut doors. You know, I'm available. I think sometimes people that grieve buy into that too, uh, that, well, I'm now a child lost mom. That's who I am. And it is true to some degree, but I think that gets back to the living under your circumstance instead of living above it. And you have to battle your way out of that sometimes. But 
and I think they do it unknowingly sometimes. We feel sometimes, and I don't mean to sound insensitive, we feel sometimes people just refuse to move forward, but it becomes their identity and, and they don't know how uh, or, or they choose not to. So it's real easy to fall into that lie, again, probably from Satan, you know, but it's real easy to fall into that, well, this is who I am now, and that's not the case. Right. Well, I like what you said, too, Joy, about, you know, our, our true identity, our truest identity is a child of the king, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we need to cling to. We are all of those other things, including being child lost parents, but the the overriding identity that, that each of us who know the Lord has is we're a child of the king. And I think that's that's probably the best way we can define ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you guys lead our while we're waiting support group for bereaved parents there in the Kansas City area. So if somebody were to attend one of your meetings, what what would they find there? Well, we like to think it's a safe place for people, a place people can come and share, not feel judged. And we're good at admitting we don't have answers sometimes. We're not counselors, of course. But it's fun to watch it evolve. We've got a good group now, and we add to it from time to time. And like I said earlier, we just feel like there's great healing just in sharing and developing relationships. And we've seen a lot of relationships develop within that group, which is kind of neat. But uh, we like for them to think that it's a place they can come and just and just express good, bad trouble you know mm-hmm. and again we don't always have all the answers but people can share their experiences when they struggle with the same thing maybe something got them through it you know so yes it's been uh with covid and everything we didn't know um how that would affect our group but we have held around 22 pretty pretty regularly which is amazing and it is like terry said neat to see some of the ones that are farther along ministering to the new ones, like they're doing the ministry, you know, they're, they're reaching out and speaking up and helping them through different uh, aspects of their grief. It's the most loving and accepting group that really gets it. And um, one thing we started, Julie came up with this, and it's been uh, great. At the end of our time together, we, uh, bring picture, you know, bring a picture of your child, if you'd like, and share one story, a funny story. And it's been so great, because these parents, you know, as you know, people quit talking about your child, or, you know, the time as the time goes. And so, and I've heard other parents say this, you know, tell me a story about my child that maybe I had never heard or something, you know, when people say, well, what can we do? You know, if you have a story, Uh, about a child, you know, share that with the parent because they love to hear, you know, we love to hear stories about our kids. And uh, so that's been kind of fun to really get to know these kids, like, you know, just different things in their lives. And, and so uh, that has been a great way to open up at the end of sharing, you know, just one thing uh, about your child it can bring laughter and levity mm-hmm. as well, which is great medicine. Yes, we've had a lot of, you know, 
we have a lot of tears, but we have a lot of laughter too. And, and people will say that. And what's been interesting to Terry and I, um, even through COVID, like people don't want to leave. That's the thing we've noticed is like they want to hang around and just visit in little pods and they don't want to leave. So that's, you know, shows us that they're being ministered to, you know, by each other and just the time together. Absolutely. I, I really feel like bereaved parents form kind of a family, you know, and, and we, this whole, all of these parents that we've encountered through the While We're Waiting ministry, I, I do feel like we are family. And yeah. I know you've experienced that even among the people in your support group. So, we have. We have. yeah, I will put in the show notes, a link to the information about your group. So anybody who might be listening to this podcast that may live in your area that wants to kind of look into it, they'll have that information. So yeah. we have people that drive from uh, Clinton sizable distances, mm -hmm. which, you yes. know, it's a God thing. It's not us by any means, but yeah. it's encouraging and it's encouraging the other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it just shows how much of a need there is for bereaved parents to have the support of other bereaved parents, especially yeah. in a faith-based community like that. Yeah. Because there's so much hope there. And like you said, you know, you would think a meeting of bereaved parents or a or weekend long retreat of a bunch of bereaved parents, that would be the most depressing and tear filled thing you could imagine. And absolutely, there are tears, but there's a lot of laughter, too. Yeah. And, you know, you can be free to laugh. You can be free to cry. You can. <laughs> we always say a lot of times we bereaved parents laugh and cry at the same time. It's yes. just what we do. <laughs> And and we all get that, and it's it's just a wonderful thing. So well, we've had people come to me and tell me that that's the first time they've laughed since they lost their child. Mm -hmm. So yes. yes, yeah, we've had that too. We have had that too, and they find it very freeing yeah. <laughs> to yeah. reach that point. Yeah. Yes. Well, and we're getting close to needing to wrap up, but of course our conversation would not be complete, Joy, if I didn't ask you about your trademark saying, <laughs> the best is yet to come. So how did you come to adopt that as your motto and what does it mean to you? God brought me to this um, in my quiet time. I love my Bible and I, in the back of my Bible, I'll write like, Oh, acrostics or different things that pastors say, like, you know, faith, forsaking all, I take him, the acronym and different things. Anyway, I was in my quiet time and crying out to God about my feelings and stuff and missing Matt and just different things. And at my church, I was, uh, we have a Christian counselor that has her doctorate and she's wonderful. She leads, uh, us women in a Bible study. And she did a Bible study on the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And it's a huge book. So it can be a little overwhelming. I know other parents have said that. But I, if you do have that book or get that book, I suggest you take it just one chapter at a time. Just don't think about the whole book as a mass. Just take it in one chapter at a time and ask God to show you and reveal himself to you. I did not know that much about heaven. And after Matt ran ahead, I wanted to know what he was experiencing. And I, God gave me this insatiable desire to learn more about heaven and in what it, 
Randy is really good at using scripture. And he says in there, now I know this can be interpreted different ways, but this is how I interpret it. So he's very frank and upfront about that. But he ties all the scripture in and talks about different things in heaven. And so God placed on my heart a heavenly perspective. He planted that in my heart as I was learning about heaven and reading about it in God's word. And I flipped over to the back of my Bible and Jill, I don't even remember writing this, but it says 5-3-2011, the best is yet to come. God is planting for your good. God's grace in our lives. And it was like, wrote that across my heart. And I thought, I don't remember writing that, but I thought that is so true. The best is yet to come. In all the things, you know, I've learned about heaven, you know, no eye hath seen, no ear hath heard, you know, all the, the glory that is in store for us when he takes us home. And so, that gives me hope and gets me excited deep down to my core because of what we have to look forward to. And my son, Matt was knew no strangers. He would talk to anybody and old, young, anybody. And I can see him standing behind Jesus and being on the welcoming committee, <laughs> the greeter, you know, because, I can see that, you know, he, he'd be right there behind Jesus and just welcoming, you know, those into heaven and showing them around and talking about everything. And so that's kind of where I go when I'm missing Matt is I think, okay, Lord, just like our verse that tells us to persevere, you know, and we do have a choice how we're going to live our lives while we're waiting. I want to be faithful and live well and to honor my son till God takes me home. So it became so such a part of me. And that's where I go when I'm sad or missing Matt. I go to, well, Lord, you promised. And when God promises us something, he's going to deliver. You know, you can count on it. You can count on it because he's a, a faithful promise keeper. So one of our trips to the refuge, uh, you had the chalkboard where people write yes. thoughts and, and quotes and so forth. And one of them that just stuck with me, I thought was so profound was I could not give my child what he now has. Mm, and yes. yes, that's true. Try to get a hold of that. It's 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 very comforting for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. If we raise our children in a Christian home, our our goal for them, our biggest desire for them as parents is that they will go to heaven one day when they die. We don't expect them to die before us, but our greatest is desire is for our children to be in heaven when they die, and they they just got there before us. Yes. It doesn't make us miss them any less. That's for sure. But we can rejoice in knowing that the best is yet to come. <laughs> and I just, yeah, that almost, you know, that chalkboard you just referred to at the refuge that those words, the best is yet to come get written up there 
pretty much every time we have a retreat. Oh, yay. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. That just gives us hope to what we have to look forward to and, and knowing, yeah, not only that we'll see our children, but we'll be in the very presence of God where it's more than we can even imagine. Mm. Amen. What a, what a wonderful thing to look forward to. Absolutely. For sure. Yes. All right. Well, we need to wrap up our conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Well, just a couple things. Uh, I just like to encourage people that want to get their joy back that are struggling. Just stay close to godly things, people, scripture, and I want to thank you and Brad for all the hard work you guys do with the refuge. You help a lot of people and touch a lot of lives. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And I echo everything he said. If you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, I always tell people you can reach out to me, you know, and, and, and I'll share with you on uh, Facebook. That's one thing that child loss has given me more of a boldness to not only share my story, but, you know, to ask people, if you were to die today, do you, are you certain that you would go to heaven? And if not, all you have to do is cry out to God and ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and be your savior. What more treasured gift? All you have to do is take it. It's free. He gave his life to pay the penalty for our sins, but that gift is free. He is offering it to everyone. And so if you don't have a personal relationship and you're listening to this podcast, cry out to God, cry out to God and uh, it will change your life. It will change your life for the good for eternity. Amen. Yeah. I don't think there's any better words that we could close this podcast with <laughs> is what you said right there. And I will include in the show notes, if if you don't mind, Joy, I'll include your contact information, which your Absolutely. contact information will come with the support group information anyway. You can reach out to Joy. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to Terry. And we can talk you through what she was just describing. Um, I'll probably even put in the show notes just a little bit about the plan of salvation so that if you just kind of want to read it through and look at some scriptures, um, it'll be right there for you to look at uh, connected with this podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you all so much for coming on today, for sharing Matt's story. Thank you so much, Jill. We just so appreciate the opportunity. And like Terry said, all that that you guys mean to us and the God's ministry through while we're waiting, reaching out to child loss parents is, uh, is just phenomenal. And we give glory, you know, we give all the glory to God. Absolutely. That's where it belongs because it's not us. It's, no. it's nothing that we have done. It's, it's all him. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. Love you. Bye-bye. Love y'all. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. 
I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.